Well, it's great to have all of you here this morning, and it certainly is a beautiful day out there, and I'm glad to see that humidity going down a little bit. I'm sure you are too. Now, I'm also grateful to be the pastor of a church that really takes the mission that Jesus has given us really seriously and is doing everything we can to share Christ locally with people that we know, our friends, acquaintances, people at work, uh, people that we have a relationship with, using that as a bridge to share Christ. But you know, that mission that Christ has given us extends way past that. It encompasses the world. And that means that the kind of love that has to exist in the church is a love that encompasses the whole world. Uh, I think sometimes it's, it's probably easier for us to share Christ with people that we have an emotional connection with or relationship with. But when it comes to this part of the mission we're talking about, we're sharing Christ with people that we've never seen, people that we'll probably never see until we are together in God's presence someday, uh, people that we don't have an emotional connection with, uh, and yet, so, th- so this vision has to be one that comes out of pure will, out of pure choice, pure choice to love people that we've never, we've never seen. And this morning, we have Don and Diane White. So they are going to come, and then Don's going to share a message with us from God's Word. So let's welcome them as they come. Thank you, Pastor Jim. Thank you, Pastor Jim. It is, it is an honor to be here. We are thrilled to be here with you. So now, let's go into the Word, God's Word, and let's just open up in prayer. Lord, we just want to thank you again for what you're doing in the nation of Turkey, Lord God, a nation that was so rich one time with Christianity, and we've seen that being swept away. But now, once again, we're seeing uh, at the end of the church age, Christianity coming back alive again. So we just pray for each and every person over there, Lord God, who doesn't know you, that their hearts would be open, and you'd continue to do a work in those who you've already embraced imparted truth and life and they've accepted you as Lord and Savior. We just want to see the church come alive and and, and multiply, Lord God, with good Turkish solid believers. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, we don't exactly have all the plans of what we're going to be doing when we go back to Turkey. I mean, just in the last six months, a lot of things have changed in Turkey. I mean, we had some idea of what we'd be doing you know, when we came home in February, but things have changed. It looks different now as a nation than what it did before. We don't know about the government, what they're going to be doing, and what that will look like six months from now. So we don't always have the plan of what we're going to do. But we're okay with that because we know God already has the plan. God already has a plan. And that can be the same in your life as well, too. Maybe you're going through some challenge in your life and it's an area that you've never been to before. You've never, you never uh, encountered such a thing. Maybe it's a, some difficulty or maybe you're being stretched in an area of ministry or something else that you have never experienced before and you're not sure exactly all the things that it's going to entail, what you're going to do, how you're going to do it. It's okay though, isn't it? God already has the plan. He has a plan no matter what we're going through, no matter what our challenge is, no matter what our struggles are. If we spend time with him, he has the plan. I mean, we can find that in the biblical uh, passages where many times he has prepared. He has given the detailed plan. 
Let's look at one of those passages right now, as a matter of fact, in John. If you turn to the book of John in chapter 6, we'll read one of those. Book of John, chapter 6. If you don't have your Bible with you, I think we have it up here on the screen too. Yes, we do. It says, Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias. A great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs that he had performed by healing the sick. Jesus went up onto the mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Passover festival was near. When Jesus looked up, and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for all these people to eat? Now, he asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Well, Philip answered, it would take more than a half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each to have a bite. Let's just stop there and just look at this for a minute. Let's look at the situation. Here's Jesus and the disciples up on the mountainside. And we look down below and we see this gathering of people. 5,000, some say just men, 5,000 men plus, gathering together. And there's Philip sitting alongside Jesus. You've got to put yourself in Philip's position just for a little bit. He must have thought, wow, this is a great day to be in ministry, you know. He's looking down, seeing the crowd gathering He's with his other fellow disciples and Jesus up there. They're going to get ready to minister. He must have thought, wow, this is great. And then Jesus looked over him and says, Philip, where are we going to buy bread for these people to eat? I'm sure that was probably not on Philip's agenda that morning. He probably had no inclination whatsoever that is going to be required of him to feed more than 5,000 people. I mean, we can look at his response and clearly understand that he didn't have a clue how he was going to feed 5,000. He says, well, it would take more than a half a year's wages to buy enough bread to have each one a bite to eat. As if money was the only problem. I mean, where was he going to get the food to feed 5,000 out in the mountainside? And if he could even buy the food, how was he going to distribute it to the 5,000? Philip had many issues. He had many problems, and he didn't have a clue what he was going to do. (laughs) But it's okay, because Jesus said, in Scripture it says, that he only asked this to test him, to see what he would say. How would he answer? And a lot of times in our lives, that can happen as well. We are being facing with a crisis. We're being facing with with a, a challenge, some struggle. And we get this voice, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? And we need to be able to say, God's got a plan. It doesn't matter what I'm going through. God's got a plan. He's got a plan. Let's take a look at what the plan was. Let's read on here in verses 8 through 13. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Now here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far is that to go amongst so many? Jesus said, have the disciples sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, 
distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to the disciples, Now gather up the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of five barley loaves left over by those who had, been, who had eaten. 12 barley loaves been filled from the five loaves and the two fish. So we can see how the plan that Jesus had took care of the financial issue, took care of the distribution issue, took care of the production issue, Again, where are you going to get that much bread, that much fish? Took care of every single situation. He had a plan that was so precise, so detailed, that nothing was left out. And we can look back on it and say, well, yeah. Why didn't Philip just trust the Lord? Do you suppose it said he just said that to test Philip? You know, do you suppose he passed the test? I don't know. Maybe the right answer would have been, Well, I don't know, Jesus. (laughs) You know, it's a big crowd, but you know. We'll do whatever you want us to do. That would have probably been the right answer. So we can apply that response in our lives. I don't know, Jesus. (laughs) Never done anything like this before. We're going to Turkey in in three months. Boy, Lord, I don't know. There's, you know, it's 99.8% Muslim. I'm not sure how we're going to get the gospel, and I'm not sure how long this window is going to be open that we can even be over there. But you know, that would have probably been the right response. I think there's probably three things that we can take from this message and apply it to our lives. Three things that happen in here. The first thing is we must get along with Jesus. That's, that's in the days that we're living in today, we must be committed and we must be intentional about setting some time aside whether it be the morning, whether it be the afternoon, evening, whatever it is, you would say, that's my prime time. We must set aside that time and just get along with Jesus to be able to hear his voice, be able to hear his voice speaking to us, giving us detailed plans. I mean, it says here in this passage that they were up in the mountainside. I think that's significant. I don't think that's, you know, uh, there, there's, a, there's a purpose for that. I mean, if Philip and, the, and, and them would have been down in the crowd, maybe they would have got caught up with all the distraction, all the chaos, all the noise, all the, the rush and, the, and, and, you know, everything that's encountered. But the fact that they were up in the mountainside, he was able to hear the Lord's words of instructions and we need to do that too. Sometime in, 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 in whatever we're going through, we need just to back away from that and get away from it and just spend time with him and focus on what he's trying to tell us. He wants to speak to us in every situation, in every detail. He wants to speak to us, but we have to spend time along with him to hear. The second thing that we have to do is we must be willing to humble ourselves and say, you know what, this is too big for me. It's too huge. It's more than what I am able to do. We must humble ourselves and just say, Lord, I need your help. I I don't want to do this on my own. I can't do this on my own. But I trust you that you will lead me through it. You will give me the steps forward, the detailed steps forward. And I trust you. And the third thing we must do is we must be willing to bring the resources that we already have to him and allow him to use that. If we're being challenged in an area of ministry we've never done before, we can't say, well, I'm not qualified enough to do that. 
If, if it's something that, you know, we're feeling challenged, uh, we can't say, well, I don't have the finances or I don't have the funds or I don't have the education to do that. Again, if we believe that the Lord is bringing you through this and into this, he knows what your resources are. He knows what he's equipped you with and that's all he's wanting is for you to bring what you have and he will use them. We must bring the resources that we already have. Just a kind of a 21st century version of this passage that we just read that uh, could be best told by a young man named Abdullah. Since Abdullah is not here, I'll tell the story. Uh, matter of fact, the next slide here, I think we have a picture of Abdullah up here. Yeah, Abdullah is the young man in the center. I met Abdullah back in 2002. He came to the international church in Izmir that I was serving with. And uh, he was 18 years old. Abdullah came into the church, you know, and, and Abdullah did not come that morning because he was really interested about Christianity. Abdullah was actually working within Islam. He wanted to become an imam, a leader, an official in, in Islam. And he came to the church that morning because he wanted to gather information about the, ter- the church there. And he wanted to be able to use that against the church someday. So he came that morning with a very... Uh, um, hardened heart and wanting to, to gather information. Well, Abdullah had never been in a church before. Abdullah had never been around Christians before. Abdullah never ever heard the message of salvation. He never heard the message of grace. Pastor Jim said in his message last week there, there's two barriers that keep people from coming to faith. One is, he said, that people, you know, they, they believe their works are good enough to get them to heaven. So it is with Islam. They believe their good works is enough. But when Abdullah heard a message of salvation through grace that our works is not good enough, when he heard that there was a loving God who knew him in a very personal way and knew that he had sinned many a time, but he was willing to forgive him of his sins, Abdullah embraced that message. He'd never heard that. His heart broke. And he came to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And he became radically saved. I mean, Pastor Jim, you would have loved this man. Anytime the church was open, Abdullah was there. It didn't matter if it was a Wednesday night Bible study. It didn't matter if it was a Sunday morning service or just some believers meeting together just talking about Scripture. He was there. He was so hungry for the Word. But then Abdullah had to go on his military service. It's a mandatory thing that every Islamic male has to serve, Turkish male, not just Islamic, but every Turk has to serve usually about 16 to 18 months in the military. This is actually Abdullah's military stint right here. I was here for that. I went down for his graduation because this part of the part was just like a boot camp for he'd be here for three months. And as Abdullah started processing this, thinking about that, he became very fearful. He was very concerned because he knew he'd be probably the only Christian there. So the time came, we prayed for Abdullah many a times, and then finally he went. Well, when he got down to this place and he saw all these men, his fear, his anxieties turned more to a passion. He had a compassion to share the gospel, but he didn't know how he was going to do it because he was only going to be here for three months. So he prayed, Lord, how can I, one person, be able to share my faith with these people, with these people who have never heard the gospel Never heard the, the, the truth of what I have experienced. Well, it was like two days later, the general of this, of this military who was overseeing this whole thing gathered all the men together. And it was like 500 men that was in the room. And 
Abdullah was one of those in there. And he saw all these men. And he says, Lord, I have the bread of life. How can I give the bread of life to so many? And the general had this meeting and he said, young men, I just want to encourage you while we're here. You're all here for the same purpose. And many of you have never been away from your families before, so you're probably fearful. But I want you to know that we're going to get through this together. We are going to do this together because we're all here for the same cause and we're all Muslims and we will do this as one. Well, when Abdullah heard that, amongst the 500 that were all sitting, Abdullah stood up and he raised his hand and he caught the general's attention. And the general looked over and said, Yes, son. He goes, Sir, I, I just want to let you know that we're not all Muslims here. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. I'm a believer in him. Well, it got really quiet in there. And the general said, son, you can sit down. Thank you for that. Well, what happened over the next three months that he was there is young people, young men, who really wanted to know the truth about Christianity, who really wanted to hear the story, came up to Abdullah one by one over the next three months and asked, hey, what, what, what was it you shared in there? You know, why did you go from Islam to Christianity? What do you know about Christianity? And Abdullah was able to share his testimony. Abdullah was able to share the truth with as many that would listen, that would as many as would come up. And God protected him during that whole time. Why? Because Abdullah, first of all, he spent time, he got quiet before the Lord. He got before him and said, Lord, I want to hear what is your plan? He got before, and he humbled himself, and he said, Lord, this is too big for me. I trust you. And he brought the resources that he had. He'd not been a believer long, but he'd been a believer a lot longer than the 500 people were there, and he had something to share. So that is how we do it, too. No matter what we're going through, we also will be able to get through whatever God has put it before us, a challenge, a difficulty, a trial, but we must do the same thing. Spend time with the Lord. Humble ourselves before him and bring the resources that we have. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you, Lord God, that you bring us, Lord God, in many ways, in many backgrounds, into a place where we have to rely on you. We have to trust in you. And Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters here, no matter what they're going through, no matter the situations that they're facing, the difficulties that they're coming against, the, the, maybe the, the challenge that you're stretching them out into, I pray, Lord God, that they would come before you. They would hear wisdom. They would hear direction and guidance and that you would bless them and encourage them and strengthen them during this time. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. One final thing before I turn over to Pastor Jim is, is as you're seeking the Lord, as you're getting that time with him, and maybe you used to have it, but you kind of got away from it. Maybe you're being challenged now. Yeah, I need to commit that time. As you're praying, as you're sensing him leading you and guiding you, be obedient to what he tells you to do. It may not even make sense to you at first, but be obedient to what he's teaching you, what he's showing you as he's guiding you. It'll come in steps. I mean, if you look at this passage we just read, this miracle that happened, according to Scripture, it indicates that the miracle didn't happen until faith was 
executed. I mean, it wasn't like this big pile of bread you know, built up in this big pile of fish and they started, no. He told the disciples to begin to distribute and as they began to step out in faith, the multiplication happened. And so it is with us. As we step out in faith, we will see doors open. We will see the miracles happen. We will see us coming through whatever it is that the Lord is bringing us through. Amen? Amen. Pastor Jim. Hey, Don. Thanks. A great message. And what a statement in that passage uh, that Jesus already knew what he was going to do. Wow, man, that, that, what a great truth. Thanks for elaborating on that and just driving that home in our hearts because we can, we can take that into our week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. The, the Lord has a plan. He knows what he's going to do. He just wants us to trust him and place our lives in his hands. There may be a, maybe there's a person here today who has never really explored Christianity very well or not really sure what Je- this Jesus thing is all about. Uh, And so the same Lord that can forgive sins there, he obviously can do that here too. And that's why he died on that cross. And so if you're here today and you're exploring Christianity, exploring faith, you can know that we've all sinned. We all have that in common. But Jesus went to the cross, and he's the only one in all of history who was sinless so that he could go to a cross and die for your sins and my sins, no matter what those sins might be. Uh, Don referred to the one barrier that I mentioned last week, that sometimes we try to work our way to heaven, be good enough for God. He'll let us in. It doesn't work that way because we still have the sin problem to deal with, no matter how good we are. Uh, So he wants us to come for forgiveness. And the second barrier is sometimes we feel like maybe something we've done is just way too bad We could never deserve to be forgiven for that. Hey, that's not true. Because no matter what comes onto the radar of your mind about what you may have done in your life that you think is just too horrible to ever be forgiven, well, when Jesus died on the cross, he died as though he was the one who did that. He took your place. He bore all of our sins, no matter what they are. And so we can come, and he invites you to come, and say, Lord, forgive me. And when you do that, he washes away all that sin. He lifts the guilt off your shoulders. And then he enters into your heart, the the deepest part of who you are. He begins to bring his life and his blessing and his presence there. So if you've never done that, you can do that right where you're seated right now by saying, Lord, I believe you died for me on that cross. Forgive me of my sins. I invite you into my life. I give my life to you. You pray something like that in your words sincerely, and the Lord will come into your life today. It's the most wonderful deal (laughs) you'll ever get in this life. Uh, It's a wonderful, wonderful thing. So 